Karen Thomas, welcome to the Viewfinders Photography Podcast. How are you? Yeah, I'm very good, thank you. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. Um, I'm so looking forward to talking with you today. I think like food photography is kind of its own art form within photography and I think you're just insanely good at it. So <laughs> really interested to dive into your work, especially you're working that with really high level clients and things. I think that's so exciting and you seem really busy. So um, what kind of things have you been shooting recently or what have you got coming up this week? Uh, actually, this week is um, is a quieter week, which is actually quite nice because I've been sort of madly busy, plus throwing in a, a studio move, um, which has just been sort of a lot of work, sort of getting that all set up. Um, so uh, recently, I've been working with actually I've been working with some new startup companies, which has been really fun and, and quite sort of different from uh, what I normally do. Um, so. Uh, smaller companies but you know in a mix with M&S I do a lot with M&S I'm probably going to be doing a project with them next week um, along with some old El Paso stuff so sort of a good mix really. Okay cool that sounds exciting um, I was definitely wanted to talk with you about your work with M&S mm-hmm. because <laughs> people in the UK will know M&S food is like such a big part of Christmas here and I think because you're photographing or you have at least in the past photographed the Christmas food for M&S, you're kind of setting the whole Christmas tone for the whole nation. So um, <laughs> no pressure there. That must be super <laughs> exciting. But we'll get into that later. Okay. Um, I read that uh, your dad had bought you a camera when you were young and taught you about the fundamentals. Can you tell us about the sort of your origins with photography? Yeah, absolutely. My dad's always been um, a keen amateur photographer Um, and uh, yeah he bought me a camera when I was young little red plastic 35 mil film camera Um, and I just used to follow him around with a camera and just you know taking pictures of whatever and uh, then I saved up for my first um, SLR uh, which was Pentax Emmy and um, he helped sort of teach me how to use that you know about um, or you know your apertures and everything and um, and it was all kind of you know quite basic stuff um, and then I decided well at school actually I started working in the darkroom um, there was just uh, it wasn't on the, the course at all it was just another kid did some stuff in the darkroom and so I started doing a little bit as well and he taught me some bits and pieces um, and then I went to college um and studied there um and at that point we built a dark room at home me and my dad so then I sort of started to um work with him and sort of teach him some of the stuff that I was learning at university or college at that stage so it was kind of a really lovely start from him and then as years have gone by we've kind of talk more and more um, about photography and I tell him more bits and you know he talks he's more into sort of different cameras and um, knows a lot about that whereas I don't really follow much on what cameras I sort of use my Hasselblad and my Canons and that's about it but um, so we kind of we have sort of very geeky conversations which is really fun. Yeah I, I have a daughter I can imagine your dad must just get so much out of having that shared uh, interest with you um yeah, but it was amazing. he got you the camera but then you ended up teaching him about the darkroom and things like that well he already he knew um sort of some of the basics as well um but then I'm not sure I think it's hard to, to think back all those years ago <laughs> uh, exactly sort of the, the the dynamic but I remember that you know he was very keen that I was sort of starting to learn that element and so he sort of kitted it out and we sort of you know did bits and pieces together and there was a lot more sort of you know sharing sort of knowledge and, and so on so it was a nice interaction between us about that really. Mm-hmm. And then you said you went to college to study photography right? And yeah is it- yeah it's to study photography it was at South End Tech um, so I did a BA in photography a BA honours and then realised that actually in order to get into university I'd probably need some uh, something else to sort of set me apart because it was uh, quite difficult to get into so I did a, a photography A level uh, in a, a in a quick year to try and sort of catch up and um, 
Uh, I don't know whether that made a difference, but I got into Nottingham University. So, yeah, it all worked. Okay. So how did you find your experience at university? Did you have a lot of takeaways from that or was that a good experience? Um, yeah, it was a great experience. I think I didn't learn as much technically um, at university. Um, it was more about sort of learning to sort of express yourself through the work. So when I look back, sort of the technical side of what I was doing was was very, very basic. Um, and I think that it was just a, a space to evolve also the sort of first time really living away from home. So there's sort of lots of different things going on. But it, it was only really when I left university that I started to technically learn you know, go into sort of it really, really in detail, sort of studio lighting and stuff. It was very basic at university, but I loved it. It was really fun. It was, it was a really great time to explore and experiment and do lots of unusual things like um, soaking Polaroids into water and letting the surfaces lift off, you know, Polaroid lifts. I don't know whether you're familiar with that kind of thing. No, I'm um, not actually. Yeah, you take a, a Polaroid. It's a specific type of Polaroid um, and you soak it and then the surface lifts off and it's like a skin. And then you um, put that onto different surfaces. And I, I, you know, lots of different experimental techniques, which um, which is really fun, which obviously is very different from what I do now on the sort of commercial side of it. But it was all film based because um, I was at university in nine. I graduated in 95 so yeah it was all film based at that point yeah is it true that your lecturers told you not to bother having a career in photography <laughs> yes yeah it was um they said uh if you didn't get a first then really not really much chance um getting a job you really need to sort of get that first to sort of nail it which was right. um was you know obviously surprising and um and very daunting so I came out with a 2-1 thinking oh well there you go um not sure I'm going to be able to make it um there was only two people in the the year that got a first and they were very much more sort of on the sort of dissertation and the written side and it was very conceptual and um so when I came out I sort of looked around at different things and thought actually you know what do I go into do I still do this almost went um for a job in advertising for some reason but um I I just I thought what am I doing I haven't even given it a go you know why why am I trusting that you know surely it's worth giving it a shot and I went and saw a few photographers and very quickly just um, got well I think a, a work experience for a week and then after that I just started assisting and there was no looking back I assisted for about four years and uh, was really busy with the assisting work so it just shows you that you know I think you have to be really careful you know how you guide people um I mean, I probably shouldn't have taken that, you know, quite as literally. But, you know, fortunately, I did sort of see sense and go and give it a go. So otherwise, it would have been a very different path. Yeah, I know. So, yeah, keen to talk about your assisting experience then. And was was that work in London, I guess, at the time? Yep. Yeah, I moved to Clapham um, and there was a still life photographer um, in Clapham that sort of took me under his wing and I... I did um, some stuff with him and then sort of moved in different areas. So I did some car photography, um, portraits, even sort of a uh, lot of fashion, uh, quite a varied sort of selection. And then I, I did some food and um, actually thought, no, food is, is sort of really the area that um, interested me the most. I love to cook and um and I love food, so it seemed like more of a, a natural progression. Even sort of working in car photography, I, I'm not interested in, in cars really, other than the one that I just mm -hmm. that I drive. Um, and fashion, I've, I you know I, I respect the fashion industry, but it's just not me. I'm just not really sort of you know it's not something that really interests me that much. So to photograph it, you know, you've got to really really love something to mm -hmm. to put your you know your everything in it. And I think with um, with sort of finding food, I think the the problem was that at university it was all very conceptual uh, stuff that I was doing. So none of it sort of translated through to what I was going to be commercially. Um, I think at, at the time it was like, well, maybe I do sort of 
fiction book covers because they can be a bit more conceptual but you know it's just you know how does yeah. that translate but with food it's like okay this is something i've not really done before and i yeah absolutely loved it so mm. yeah that's that's when i sort of specialized i think i did about a year of of mixing all the different sort of genres and then i went into food after a year and sort of spent three years really focusing on food at that point okay as an assistant yes as an assistant yeah. right Okay. I mean, I went to college here in Aberdeen and I had a good experience. We tried a lot mm -hmm. of things, um, all, all on film as well. Um, oh, and then the, the day I left college was like the day that it tipped to like, you wouldn't get film anymore. You just had to mm -hmm. get a digital camera. But I feel like the, the real learning or as good of an experience as that was is in being around photography and the work. So, in the assisting years, what did you really learn? Like what became apparent or what's consistent through all the different experiences that you had that actually applies to, to being a, a really good photographer at that high level? Um, I, th I think there's so many things as an assistant that you learn. I mean, number one, technically, it just straight away, you know, in the, the week, first week of assisting you learnt more than I did in three years at university um, because technically I mean that you know that's I think it obviously depends on which university you go to and, and how much they guide you technically I think my the choice that I made at university it was sort of more of a, a exploration of, of ideas at that university and, and gave you a lot of freedom in that sense so definitely an amazing course to be on but um, to then go and assist and sort of really sort of drill down on on what you need to know and what you need to understand uh, building sets uh, lighting I mean you know car photography if you can sort of light the insides of a car um, and have you know mirrors and little tiny lights you know all around everywhere then you know, you can scale that to, to anything, you know, it's, it's, and then you go to a fashion shoes and sort of see, you know, all the different lighting styles there. And I think having the cross section of all these different lighting techniques, um, and then being able to apply it to different ideas that you're using within food, um, is invaluable. Whereas, um, I think at university, I wasn't doing that so much. So the technical side um, and the exposure to all the different kits and so many different sort of lighting systems and different photographers with very different styles, very different approaches. Um, and also, you know, clients uh, getting to see the interaction of the photographer with the clients and, and how that's handled. Um, and, you know, even sort of from the, the financial side of it, how do you, invoice uh what kind of fees you know what things um to to invoice for and how that all works i mean it's it teaches you very quickly uh, a massive amount um and i think sort of assisting for about four years was was an amazing experience because it really gave me a very sort of broad base i was assisting on editorial shoots to big advertising shoots and as an assistant really that's where you i i think where you get the majority of, of your experience and, and it will elevate you to give you that good start as a photographer. And I think mm -hmm. some people want to sort of have a shorter time assisting. And I'd say that actually having a good amount of time because you, you can't go back, you know, it's very hard to sort of, as you go out as a photographer and then say, Oh, actually I want to do a bit more assisting. So, cause I feel like I haven't got enough experience, you know, once you start making that leap. So I'd say sort of giving it a solid amount of time so that you really learn the most from a broad range of people and um, get very different perspectives, I think is invaluable. Mm -hmm. Is there still a route then for young people to go that assisting route as a stepping stone to a photography career? Oh, absolutely. I use assistants. Yeah. And, and that's, that's their sort of journey as well. And you, you know, the assistants, I, I use all freelancers and, um, and while they're working with me, obviously the, you know, their job is to, you know, well, they need to do their job at the same time. I'm there trying to teach them at the same time. So, you know, if I'm lighting something on set and they, it's not something they're familiar with, I'll explain why I'm doing something so that it's 
as well in a, an apprenticeship and not just them um, sort of making money. I mean, some assistants go on to be full-time full -time assistants that don't sort of have a, a desire to actually become photographers because that's uh, professionally what they enjoy doing. Mm -hmm. um, and then others sort of are, are looking at that progression and looking to learn as much as they can. But no, very much so. I, I use assistants all the time. So when did you feel like you were ready to make the step to being a photographer? And what was the first, do you remember the first or early assignments when you really took that step? Oh, yes. Um, I think, when do you know you're ready? I, I don't know whether you know whether you're ready. I think I definitely didn't particularly feel ready. I kind of, yeah. it kind of just happened in that I was working with, um, one photographer in particular, um, a food photographer, and she was um, about to have a baby. And she said um, that she had sort of various clients. Would I like to um, shoot for them and use her studio, use her kit? And then she'd take a, a fee for all that. And I would work sort of, you know, in her setup and but obviously, you know, start with my style. So that was the first shoot was um, Evening Standard uh, ES magazine. So I had a um, a page or sometimes two pages in Evening Standard magazine every week. It was it was when it was sort of a bigger size, sort of a not the sort of A4 that it is now, but not obviously not as big as A3, but that sort of larger format um, yeah. magazine and um, and it was weekly. So it was an amazing experience. It was an amazing opportunity. And without as well having the risk of setting up your own studio and without having to sort of buy uh, too much of my, old, my own kit because uh, I did have uh, an, a, a Mamiya 645 uh, at that point, but uh, we were also shooting uh, on 5.4 film at hers. So I was able to use her 5.4 Sinar at that point and, and then it led into other jobs that I was doing sort of um, that were her clients again, uh, sort of kettle chips. I did a big PR uh, shoot for them. Lots of things sort of started um, through her. Um, but also um, I had I'd been working, assisting um, on M&S shoots uh, with a photographer that I used to work with, a food photographer. And I'd been assisting um, for quite a while and the client um often said to me when you go out on your own make sure you bring me your portfolio you know I, I want to see you know what your work is like and, and what have you but because my because I, I sort of started working in a in a different way and I hadn't decided right I'm going out there I'm going to get a portfolio together and target people I I sort of went into it um through uh through the other photographer um that I didn't actually have a portfolio so uh, this client actually saw my work published and was, gave me a call and said, you know, why haven't you been to see me? What's what's going on? And I said, well, I just don't have a portfolio yet. I'm just suddenly working and, and sort of juggling that. And um, and she said, right, I'll get a portfolio together. I want to see you call me like, you know, next month. I want to see it. And so um, I went to see her and uh, she gave me um, a tiny shoot. It was just like a half day it was a packaging shoot of um, what are they called? They're, they're like the equivalent of Jaffa cakes, but M and S do them. Okay. Um, so I um, I did the sort of packaging on that. It was just a little taster. Uh, it went fine, no problems. And then she gave me a whole packaging range, and then another one, and another one, and then I started doing their sort of point of sale, and then started doing big window shoots, and it sort of it it escalated pretty quickly it kind of it and then because i was doing lots for mns other things started coming in mm -hmm. um i started working um I, I left the other photographer's studio started working my own studio and actually i started working from home at that point um but it 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 went very quickly from that point i think that sort of contact mns was absolutely mm -hmm. valuable i'm still friends with her today caroline wooden she's um a really, really good friend of mine. And yeah, she got me, um, yeah, my first job 20, 20, what is it, three, four years ago or something like that now. So yeah, long time. <laughs> yeah, so uh, that's a great story. Um, so just to kind of 
recap, when you say packaging shoot, it's the picture of the Jaffa cake that goes on the outside of the Jaffa exactly. cake packet. Yeah, you mean, not okay. a, a pack shoot. Uh, yeah. Not pack shoot photography where you take a, a shot of the pack and it's just the pack. It's um, uh, not a pack shot, it's packaging photography. So that's the photography that goes on there. On the, okay. Yeah, the that's, I thought that... So you've got your combination of skills that you've built from assisting, but also the relationships that you've built, which I think have paid off for you. I think there's a lot in that, you know, in terms of people, if people are wanting to make their way in any line of work, I guess, in the world, those relationships are so important. It's not only your technical skill. You have to have those you you have to be a good person, you know. People don't want to work with someone they don't like and that kind of thing. So um, I think that there's just a lot in that story and, and really good to have that person who believed in you and gave you a go. Yeah, absolutely. It was I was very lucky. I mean, you say about the sort of personality, I think sort of previously and um, photographers could get away a lot more with, with being sort of more arrogant or you know, very tricky and, you know, there's lots of stories of different yeah. things that have gone in in studios. But I think it's harder to be like that now because I think there's just a lot of um, of great people around, you know, friendly environments. And I think that, you know, there's less of that sort of, I guess, this bad behaviour. <laughs> Let's get into your photography then. I read on your website I think that you get an immense satisfaction in receiving a brief and being able to plan and execute a beautiful project that's shot or filmed with great love. I underlined that with great love. So um, what goes into that kind of a typical shoot? I mean, does it start with a phone call or an email from the client, the agent? How can how do you get going with that? And let's go through that. Say it's Marks and Spencer christmas campaign because it's a big and interesting one um so yeah keen to get an insight into just that process of beginning to end um so we can go in chunks you don't have to do the whole thing (laughs) um but like who contacts you to start with and how does it go from there i think i mean it really depends on what type of shoot it is so because i work in you know very wide cross-section of of types of um, photography or the the areas that i work in for example editorial to packaging to point of sale to advertising so each one of those areas those four areas they work very very differently um if it's an editorial shoot i'll just get a a phone call from um, the magazine and they'll send a brief and they'll um contact the prop stylist and the the food stylist and that'll all be organized and it's very much um it's low sort of production on my side I don't really have to to think about it it's mainly on the day of the shoot I'll look the day before have an approach um, in mind and then on the day of the shoot then we'll sort of work very freely um, and create I don't have to work to certain sort of scamps or or drawings that they have in mind it's it's it the the briefs are um they they come up with obviously they come up with the color scheme the look the style everything like that but it's up to me to interpret it on the day whereas if you go to the very other end of the spectrum and it's ad shoot then when it's an ad I, I get a call from my agent and um, generally it's a triple bid um, so there'll be a couple of other photographers in the running um, I generally will have to write a treatment for it I'll have a uh, chat um, with the designers, the creative team, and um, get a, an idea of what they have in mind. Um, and then I'll put a treatment together, which will be my whole approach for the, the project. And that'll explain to them how I plan to light it, uh, what camera angles I want to use, um, what I'm going to, what I'm trying to say what my voice is through that, um, how I can really interpret their brief. So that's a, a very, very different process. And it's followed by, you know, more meetings. And then once it's nailed down, and you know, if I've got the, the shoot myself, I, then I'll have pre-production meetings. 
Um, so that's a very, very big um, process. And then in the middle, you've got sort of packaging and, and point of sale. Um, so say, for example, it's a, an M&S um, Christmas shoot. Um, then, again, it depends whether it's a Christmas shoot for their point of sale or advertising. The advertising will follow that process. The, the point of sale, so all of their in-store posters, their um, shop windows, um, I get called by the art buyer, uh, they book in the date, then I liaise with the art director, um, they commission the uh, prop stylist, um, I speak to a food stylist and I'm sent a brief in advance and then on the day we sort of work again very uh, loosely following their sort of criteria but nothing's sort of scamped out again unlike when it's a, an advertising sheet when I can be given lots of scamps to, to go off so it's a very sort of different process I mean I've given you a very sort of condensed one of each um, and I've been working with lots of startup companies and again that process is, is very different because I'll uh, help guide um, the startup companies to understand the process and there's a lot more um, from my end to try and explain the process and also work with them to understand what it is they need and guide them to to creatively maybe putting a team together that can give them all the different elements they need so it is very different and I think that's also one of the things I love about it that it's each project is very very different and it's a very sort of different approach depending on um, the the sort of genre genre you're working in, but also who the client is because each client has a different process as well so it's also dependent on what they want from their process. So that is super interesting and I, I guess people who wanted to become a food photographer in the kind of way that you work I don't know if there could be any other way in than through the assisting route given what you've said because there's so many elements to learn that you just wouldn't know from the outside you know I mean I think that you could and I think people do and have uh, I think that you know you could approach uh, magazines directly um, I think the you don't straight off start going into advertising work. And I think it's the the best route is to either work with, as I was saying, startup companies are a good place to start because then you get a, you know, a good range of working your portfolio and um, startup companies don't have any preconceived ideas of how things work. So I guess you can sort of form your own um, sort of approach with them. Uh, magazines are a great way of starting because, again, um, the process is very simple. You know, they come to you with a brief and you have to follow that brief and you work with them on the day and there isn't um, a lot of the pre-production meetings and, and everything else involved. Um, so I think those are the ways in. I, I would absolutely still say assisting is, is an amazing way because I think it's easier to progress later to advertising if you've assisted in advertising. I think if you go straight into working for... Um, and you haven't assisted if you go straight into working uh, for startup companies and you work with uh, small companies and also um, magazines you you build up a body of work but you don't build up the experience of working in advertising and of course you can obviously cross over and if your work is you know you get to that sort of high standard and you you produce work that um, you could absolutely work in advertising with not knowing the sort of the ins and outs of it um, wouldn't necessarily stop you it would be harder but at the same time if you've got the motivation the drive and you've got amazing work then you could absolutely do it and you know you can I don't know subvert the system and <laughs> do it in different ways yeah absolutely okay so let's say it's the MS Christmas campaign there's a lot of food to be <laughs> shot and it, I guess you're doing it in the middle of the year or something. So I yeah. want to get, I want to go on set with you here <laughs> on that. Um, you have a relationship with them. So are they, do they kind of know what they're going to get for yours? Like every year they have a different kind of specific look that they want to do for this year's campaign. I think um, it's reviewed every year um, as to, to what their Christmas look is, is going to be. Um, and, there's an overall sort of look at the moment um, 
which has been sort of is their sort of base for their style, the sort of um, beautiful, relaxed, very grey zinc surfaces. And this is the sort of general uh, style of m and at the moment, which sort of is in their point of sale and their advertising. They but then say, I, I forget now how many years, maybe it was four years ago that there was the very... Um, very different look, which was called their Adventures in uh, Food. And so it was the Adventures in campaign, and that was all the overhead stuff, um, predominantly on black, but sometimes was on white, and it was all um, sort of geometrically placed. Everything was symmetrical. And so when they moved from that to this look, um, that was a whole very different look. Now, when it comes to Christmas, it depends on whether they – they don't generally, for point of sale, go very, very differently because it. I think it still they like it to stay in the style of the year, mm-hmm. but bring in certain elements. So there will be sort of Christmas lights that would will feature, and maybe some ribbon element. There was beautiful um, uh, color coordination of baubles last year that was sort of a, a kind of teal color and a, a very bright pink. But again, it was quite subtle. It was in the background, but that was a theme that sort of came out, and that was. Uh, I think last year was the first year that that happened. So something else might sort of then um, start to form for this year. But Christmas sort of breaks down into different sections throughout the year. So the advertising generally is later in the year. The point of sale is around this time. Um, Their press packs used to be around March, April time. Um, and then there's the editorial side of things, which um, as well is a different time of year. So there can be Christmas shoots throughout the year for different types of, um, for different usages, basically. We've talked about a lot of work around this shooting uh, or around the photography, but when we actually go to take pictures, what's what's that like on set for that kind of big important campaign are there a lot of people around um there's a very clear schedule of kind of shot list for the day what's your place in all that how does that go so there's always a, a clear outline for the day um just to how sort of structured it is really again sort of depends on the shoot um so say it's an editorial we know how many shots we've got to do um we'll generally have an art director there and uh we'll just sort of you know crack through them and sort of you know make sure that um that we're working to a really really good pace because generally with editorial you've got you know a lot of shots to to get through so um it's a lovely process it's it's um very organic and we're able to sort of really um have some fun with with the props and everything isn't sort of completely laid out as to what it actually looks like. So you can sort of Mm -hmm. take bits and pieces and set them up and really sort of create something beautiful as you see it there and then. Um, With regards to sort of the advertising end, it's more sort of prescribed as to, to what you're going to do because you really need to achieve what, um, they want from from the ad um, so we'll have scamps to to look at um, we'll talk a lot about how we're going to approach it we'll have lots of pre-production meetings to um, discuss the lighting and um, and make sure uh, my interpretation is is what they want to to do and I think the process is a lot longer whereas I think with editorial it's it's a, a lot um it's a lot looser. So I love working in both ways. They're, they're both very, very different, but I love the sort of different um, approaches because one's um, you are more involved for a longer period of time. So um, you you really sort of are invested in that very specific style. Um, and the other one with editorial is you, you sort of on that day are acting very sort of quickly to achieve sort of different sites so there's a um a sort of very sort of organic process that's lovely so both um ways are are very different and with editorial there's a a lot less people there with advertising you have a lot more people to work with so you've got you know you've got 
various different creatives. You've got account handlers. You've got there's just a lot of people there that you can work with, and and I love working with all different kinds of people. So it's it's like a, a very fun set because you're you're sort of got lots of, of different people that you're interacting with. So they're very very different feel, but that's what I love about the what I do is that you know one day I can be on a big ad set with loads and loads of people and the next I can just it can be just you know four of us in the studio um you know working in a very different way so mm-hmm. again it's this, that diversity that I think you know works really well for me yeah that's interesting to me I'm pretty much just a low act so having four people would be a big big deal <laughs> to me well there's always the food stylist there's always um the my assistant and there's generally an art director although not definitely there might be a prop stylist on set but i don't tend to unless it's sort of a big set they tend to sort of come and unpack and put everything together um and then leave so i think four is you know sometimes there might just be me and a food stylist but that's the rarity generally four is the minimum but then it can go up Mm -hmm. to i think we had about felt like about 20 people on set the other week when we were on a big ad mm-hmm. shoot um and then there's a lot more sort of um meetings and everything that goes along with that yeah and so okay so you're there at the camera obviously you've got your assistant on available to do the lighting or is there a digital tech as well on the computer or um again it's um it depends on whether it's advertising to editorial if it's editorial um I am generally I've I've I'm on set I'm very hands-on on set I do do my own lighting um someone but you know I might say we need to move this light around and, and they'll be on set sort of assisting me on that but sometimes it's just me on set and I'll be moving lights around and um I'm very hands-on and <clears throat> there'll be um my assistant will be retouching so they'll be sort of um on the retouch computer but then they'll get up um and come and assist me to move some lights and then go back to retouching whereas if it's on an ad shoot then there'll be someone doing retouching plus there'll be a couple of people on set with me one sort of moving around lights one sort of acting as sort of general runner um so again it depends on the sort of complexity of the set and whether it's ads as opposed to editorials to how many team members but I don't tend to, I know um, the photographers that have DigiOps that will shoot it and, you know, they'll they'll be sort of more overseeing it, whereas it's rare that someone's behind my camera. I'm generally behind the camera. Mm-hmm. And then, so you've got someone who might be doing retouching sort of in real time, as mm-hmm. it were. So what kind of thing would that be? Well, it's not so much real time. It'll be as in if we've got, um, so say if I'm doing a point of sale M&S shoot and we've got, um, say, four or five shots a day, then after we've shot the first shot, then I'll hand it over and they'll get on to retouching straight away. Um, so they're not retouching. Although having said that, if, say, I'm doing um, a shot where I need to see and I'm, I'm taking sort of uh, multiple images that I need comp together um, to produce one image, I'll shoot those images um, and then my assistant will bring it up on screen and we'll do a rough comp together to show the client what's achievable um, mm. you know even often I'll just jump on the computer myself and and you know just brush in a load of different layers say if it's like for example a splash shot um, I'll shoot that in multiple layers so there'll be a, a pouring shot where we'll do just the pour then there'll be the actual splash itself which can be composed of you know anything between one and four, five, six exposures. There could be droplets mm-hmm. that we add in. Then there's the original glass um, that is clean. So, you know, it's not dirty from any of the, the splashing that's happening. And then probably a, a surface shot that the splash is brushed into. So if I do a shot like that, it's very sort of hard for the client to to visualize what I'm telling them. I'll, I'll say, look, this is your pour. This is your but there's nothing better than, you know, yeah. me hopping on quickly, just doing a quick sort of uh, comp and then showing them what it looks like. And then I'll walk away once they're happy. Then my assistant will take over and they'll just sort of 
redo the whole thing and, and make it all look amazing in its sort of comp state. So that's happens, you know, on the, you know, the shoot, but the retouching does start. I, I like to have someone retouching on set because in between shots, I go over to them, I see what they're doing and I'll say, look, we need to lift the light a little bit, maybe on the, the front of the burger patty or, um, that bit on the right hand side. I, I want to, you know, clean up that area a little bit more it's a bit too fussy so and then I'll walk back to set and and then so it means that during that day um I'm overseeing the retouch as well if I do outsource it then um it's fine and and someone will send me the shots back and I'll I'll review them and um and then send back retouch notes and stuff but I do like to have you know the retouching in the same room as me because I do love to sort of work um, with them and sort of see it as it's as it's progressing. Okay, this is so interesting to me. I'm <laughs> I'm gripped. Sounds like you have a very different process. <laughs> <laughs> well, me, it's just like me knocking things over. That's <laughs> oh, I do that too. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, um, but yeah, I mean, I like to be organized as organized as I can be, and it's corporate headshots mainly stuff like that. That yesterday I was in doing like a PR kind of thing for this accountancy firm that I do a lot of headshots for. Yeah. So I don't like doing PR. It's very like it quick. It's very in the moment. It's like they've got five, ten minutes and you have to do two or three things and you're sweating and you're moving things and you're falling over and um, knocking things <laughs> over, trying not to drop things on people's head. So I just have to go in with my own little storyboards. I know the location of this office. I'm going to do this here, da, 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 da. I just kind of get through it. That's the way I, the best way I can do it for me to be organized and to just kind of join the dots. Um, I don't like when things are like uncertain or up in the air. That makes it difficult for me. I think I like to know pretty much what I'm going to do before I go out. Um, and obviously that, that changes and flex, but it's all me, you know, it's all, I'll have an assistant sometimes. Um, so yeah, it's a real insight into that world. Okay. And then so you're shooting between yourself, the art director, the stylist, you can work to the shape of the picture. And then presumably it's up to the art director to say, okay, that one's fine. We can move on yeah. to the next. I think, um, so sometimes it doesn't um, stop at the art director. Sometimes um, then, uh, so if we've got a client, then um, so on an ad sheet, the art director will work with me and um, and then we'll bring in the, the client. And so, you know, there can be, you know, 10 people standing around the, the monitor and we'll discuss um, what we've done, how we got there, why we went in the direction we chose and and then the client will um you know either say they love it which is amazing or they'll say actually you know um have we tried this we wanted this or do, you know and they go through some feedback and then they'll go off um and we'll then sort of make some tweaks and and you know change around things it's sort of a long long process whereas um you know, with an editorial shoot, the art director will say, yep, yeah, absolutely, sign off, and then, you know, we move on. Or sometimes it will go to the food team. So um, sometimes the the person that's written the recipe um, mm -hmm. on the magazine will see that and just sign off whether it was is how they'd envisaged it. Um, and again, with clients, you know, like m &S, I'll be working with an art director, but then it might go off to the the team um, at MS to sign off. Um, it really sort of depends on what that company's dynamic is. And so you've done a lot of work, obviously, for <laughs> quite a long time. Um, do you still get a kick out of seeing that in shops and on billboards or whatever? Absolutely. I love it. I love turning around and sort of spotting one of my pictures. Go, oh, look, there's that picture's up there. Or at the weekend, we were... Um, driving down we were away for the weekend and we were um pulling off the motorway on a roundabout and there was a massive truck with MS pictures on the side and so we were driving past going oh look there's one of them and it's just it's lovely it doesn't it never it doesn't get old you kind of i often pass them in locations i was in tokyo earlier this year and i was in costa in the airport and um mm -hmm. 
and I was like, oh, look, there's loads of pictures in here. <laughs> it's, you know, and yeah. it was, it was amazing. So then, you know, I don't t- tend to have my picture taken with my pictures anymore, you know, but I was like yeah. in Tokyo, I was like, take my picture with my pictures. It's, I'm in Tokyo. <laughs> so that's nice. And I, I think it's just lovely. I think, you know, it's, it's amazing to see that, you know, people want to put your work up. It's, it's a lovely, lovely feeling. It really is. Yeah. Um, do you, <laughs> do you want to tell the person sitting next to you and cost <laughs> that that's your picture or like, they would have no idea that the photographer was sitting there? Oh God, no. Oh no, no. I, I get <laughs> far too embarrassed. In fact, if I'm out with my mum, like, you know, if we've been to, you know, Costa's a good one or, or M&S, if we're in there and, um, and there's my pictures, you know, up behind the person that's serving. And um, if I make the mistake of saying to my mum when we're in the queue, oh, look, there's there's some of mine, then when we get to the, the counter, she'll then say, my daughter took these. And, da, da, da. <laughs> and then I just <laughs> want to, you know, sort of melt away. I'm not I'm not yeah. good at that side. So if it's just me, then absolutely no, I don't I don't mention it. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a picture I did for this coffee wholesaler, local coffee wholesaler, maybe 10 years ago. And it's, they supply coffee to a lot of independent coffee shops around. So there's a sign that goes outside the coffee shop mm-hmm. saying the coffee is from Caber Coffee. So there's a coffee cup with, just with beans dropping into it and there's some beans around, just like any coffee picture yeah. with, you know, a cup and beans. And, um, so that's like around the whole town. Um, and my daughter, anytime she, we go past, she's like, Daddy, that's your picture, oh. but she's telling everybody else, you know. Oh, that's lovely. Um, it's sweet, yeah. That is lovely. I think it's, I think that it's lovely. I think if someone else says it, I think it feels easier than you sort of going, Oh, there's my picture. It just sounds a little bit odd. I mean, people, you yeah. know, even when my mum says it, the, the person sometimes just looks up and looks a bit blank. Like, yeah, okay, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> You're doing some moving imagery and I was interested to know um, how that started and how you adapt to that. So it started, I think, about sort of eight years ago um, and there wasn't as much demand for it then. Um, so I only sort of did sort of small amounts, but now it does seem to be getting more and more popular um, for um, the sort of clients that I work with Um and I think, you know, even something like stop motion, um, people want more and more because that's obviously a lot more accessible. Um, financially, it's not, you know, as costly as going sort of down the whole video route. Um, but video, yeah, it's just been, it's been really fun and, and, and exciting in a different way than stills. I, I still absolutely love stills, but again, I guess the diversity is, is what I really enjoy. You know, I'll be, a, on stills one day and then filming the next. Um, I did a, a shoot um, a couple of weeks ago and we did uh, stills for a client and then we had a video element and sort of bringing them so that they sat together nicely but also the the feel of the different shoots was, was very different. Um, and I think on a video day it's I think I work with bigger teams, so that obviously um, is different. I don't mean, you know, on ads we have we have more people, obviously, but there's more people um, on my team um, on a video day, and there's I think there's something different about when we're filming something, and I because also I I generally I'm not behind the camera. Um, there's some stuff that I do, and I, I film it myself, but I generally work. Um, with someone using the camera themselves so the the DOP that I work with he's a camera op and um I mean I'll still move the lights around I'm very hands-on on set unless it's you know advertising that kind of thing but if it's sort of some of the mid-range stuff I'm doing I'll be there you know very hands-on but someone will be behind the camera so it's a very different approach um for me so I'll be saying you know can we you know go higher can we come from this angle can we have the shaft of light here so it's it's um it's a different sort of way of working and then when the the files are brought up on screen if it's like a splash shot and we've we've seen it but have we got it and we don't know and you know it comes up and you know everybody's like well there it is there's there's um 
there's a different uh there's a different energy there's uh mm -hmm. the feels on stills everything feels very um just sort of lovely paced and kind of you're just in a, a lovely flow and whereas there seems to be a lot more speed and action and sort of you know sometimes at the end of a, a, a filming day I'll, I'll realize i haven't really been breathing <laughs> sort of, mm -hmm. you know you're just running on such adrenaline <clears throat> um mm -hmm. so it's very different and I, I love that difference in it i love the sort of doing one day of stills and then suddenly i'm filming yeah i obviously the way things are moving there'll be more demand for moving images um would you see that taking over or going to like a director kind of role in for commercials or anything like that or how would you see that going in the future i think um i'm happy to work at the moment i'm i'm predominantly stills with um a certain amount of video thrown in but it, the 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 emphasis still still on on stills and i'm happy to adjust that balance so it's you know potentially more evenly weighted or just up the the video a bit more i mean i do love directing um but i wouldn't move out of stills completely um i think i'd want stills to be you know at least 50 percent um because I do actually, I, I still absolutely love doing stills. So mm -hmm. I think to, to up the video would be great, but I think that, uh, going into doing some, um, TV commercials would be amazing. My production company, I have a, an agent for stills, um, Horton Stevens, and then I have a production company for, um, for video, um, and that's the Bike Collective. And they, um, are sort of trying to get me TVCs and and sort of work in in that area, um, so I'm excited to see you know what what they're going to do and, and you know what they're going to get me. But um, I think it's just a process of just seeing where it all takes me. Really, I, I think I've been yeah. lucky in that I haven't necessarily orchestrated changes deliberately throughout my career. A lot of things have have happened sort of organically, um, and and I'm I'm interested to where it goes next, but. Yeah, definitely a, a good mix of the two. Thanks for that. It's, this has been a great insight into how you work. I think it's going to be really valuable for people listening. Um, I know that you've been recognized as a Hasselblad heroine. I guess that's like <laughs> a ambassador kind of role. Yeah. What does that mean to you? What does that kind of acknowledgement mean to you or, or do for you in your career as well? Um, I mean, I was very flattered when Hasselblad um, approached me about this um, because, I mean, you know, Hasselblad is, is an amazing brand. You know, it's the Rolls Royce of, of cameras, you know, I personally think. Um, and it's, you know, I've had Hasselblad started off um, in medium format. I started off in it with Mamiya's and I moved over to Hasselblad. Um, I don't even know how long, 10, 15 years ago. Um and, you know, I've always, you know, loved their cameras um, and felt strongly. So when they came to me and said, you know, we want you to be um, one of this year's heroines, I think it just was, it was lovely. It was different people, different women from around the world in different areas. I was their first food photographer. So again, that was um, a really lovely thing to be able to say. And I think, it, I think any kind of... Um, endorsement from someone else uh from a you know a company that you respect is always you know a, an honor so and the the team at Hasselblad have, have, have been I mean they were even before this very supportive um you know they'll I'll just hop on a, an email I'll get a response very quickly if I've got any um technical problem and they'll also um you know they've sent me out loan equipment you know if I've ever had a problem and, and so on they're massively supportive so yeah, mm -hmm. it's it's a really good relationship to have with them. Mm -hmm. When you have that kind of camera, like, what does it really give you uh, when the camera is in your hand that it sets it apart from other equipment that you could use? Um, well, I think Hasselblad. I mean, are known for their amazing lenses. Um, so when I was sort of testing out different cameras that stage, uh, because I moved over to Hasselblad when I moved to digital, so 
previously I was shooting on film and that was with uh, Mamiya. And when I wanted to make the, the leap over to digital, that's when I sort of started sort of testing out different cameras and thought, okay, this is a new start. Where, where do we go? And, and I just, I tested them out and the, the image quality was, was far superior, um, on the Hasselblad. Um, and then I think that, um, they, you know, the, the, the quality of the back, it's a hundred meg back. It's, I've got the HD6. Um, it, uh, it films in 4K if I need it to. I, I don't generally use it to film because as I say, I use another team, but I have, there's a cake video on my, uh, website that was all filmed on the Hasselblad. So you can see the quality, um, of, of it, um, in the video section. Um, so it's, it's just a, a a beautiful camera to use, but you know, what it produces is amazing. So yeah, it's, mm-hmm. it's a good one. Yeah. And then for the, for shooting, is there like a, a right focal length for food photography or would you like that to be? Uh, well, I shoot either with my 120 or with my 100 mil. Um, and, um, although there are some shots on my website that are very super wide angle, um, hired a couple of lenses and we wanted like a really, really extreme, uh, point of view. Um, and that was really fun to do. It was very different, but, um, but, uh, generally you're really, you know, 100 to 120 is sort of what I would go to. The 120 is a macro. Um, so that helps in that sense. The, the 100 I like as well because you've got, um, different apertures that you can go. I think it goes down to 1.8 or something. Whereas the, uh, no, is it one point? No, it's probably 2.8. Um, and the, uh, 120, you know, you can't open up as much. So if I'm wanting to have a shallower depth of field, then, um, it helps to stick the 100 on. But if I'm going more mm-hmm. macro, then the 120 is good for that as well. Okay. And then you shoot straight into the computer, presumably. Yeah. Is it Capture One or? No, Hasselblad has its own uh, software. So it's called Focus oh, okay. with a PH. Um, so I, I shoot tethered um, to an ISO. Um, and yeah, it's all all done within Focus. And I do as much as I can within Focus. It's a very sophisticated um, piece of software. There's a lot that you can do within it. And then once I'm happy with, you know, everything that I've set, then I'll process it out to a TIFF. And then, then the, that's when the, the retouching happens at that stage. But I'll try, you know, I, I won't, I'll try and make sure that the file that I process out is, you know, it's had as much work to it at that stage rather than sort of, you know, less corruptions to a processed file. Super interesting. Uh, congratulations on that um, acknowledgement from Hasselblad. That's you. like, like obviously that is significant, and yeah, you deserve that. So Thank well you. done. That's very kind of you. This round is called double exposure. Okay, I'm going to ask you about a particular photo of yours that I like, and then we can dive into how that was made, and then I'll ask you to. Tell me about one of your favorite pictures or experiences from your photography journey. Um, just, I had this one earmarked. I don't know if it's what you were referring to, but it's a shot of a guy making chicken in a pan and, or it might be a lady, I don't know. And it seems kind of wide, wide angle oh, yes. lens. Yeah, I don't I know, know if that's, that's the me. picture that you were, <laughs> is it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, I'm not saying you look like a guy, um, but um, it's just a su- you, you should never so you assume. You should, yeah. So, but I noticed that it felt like it was shot a little wide, wide angle yep. to me. Is that one of the shots that you were yes, referring yeah. to? Yeah, I had the oh, what lenses were they? Was, uh, I think there were thirty-five and fifty, or was it the twenty-eight and the thirty-five um, from Hasselblad? And I just wanted to do these really extreme um, shots. And uh, so that day was actually literally, that's a test shot. So that was just literally me and the food stylist. Um, okay. So I set everything up and then I stood behind the camera and I also did a live view so I could see the screen. And then um, I asked the, the food stylist to um, press the shutter for me as I sort of stood there and it's kind of, it's tricky working that wide angle because, um, because you've got so much more in the shot. I mean, literally yeah. the, the, the 
background. I think there's the, I think you almost see the ceiling and you've, I've had to put like a plant on top of, um, on top of a sofa and really expand the set. Um, also the chicken, um, at the normal angle, the chicken was, it looked absolutely tiny. So that chicken is standing on its side so that it okay. looks like around us. So you have, I had to really, um, sort of adjust that shot from what we normally would. Okay. It's really interesting because like the pan comes right into the foreground and the the surface that the pan is sitting on is coming in there. I think it was about a centimetre away from the lens. I think it was that close. Yeah. right. I, I don't know if a, someone who's not a photographer obviously will put that together, but it has the, has the feel that it's a little different anyway. <laughs> and you have that kind of intimate kind of close feel that you get with a wide angle lens. Um, but I, I noticed it because it was just a little different than the, the normal kind of way that you would shoot uh, food photography. Also adding to it, I think, is you're squeezing a lime or a lemon or something. Um, with like a lemon squeezer. I, I can't yeah, see it, is. it that well from squeezer. what I'm saying. Yep. Yeah. And, uh, with the droplets going in there, you've got the steam coming up, all the, I hate shooting with a wide angle lens because it brings in all the clutter as yeah. well at the, around the place. But you've done that really, really well. And it has a real distinct kind of feel to that shot. Thank I think you. there's another companion shot on your website as well. Um, so interesting. So having a test shoot, would that allow you to just try things out like that, that you were maybe curious about? Yeah, I think that with a test, it's just really fun to um, play and experiment and uh, do stuff, as you say, that you don't, um that you're too restricted you don't you know get the opportunity to do on a on a shoot so on a commission shoot rather so with this with this idea i just got together with a food stylist there was just the two of us in the studio and um and we sort of set up with this wide angle lens and i loved the idea of the wide angle lens but just having chicken in a pan it didn't take up enough area in the shot it wasn't interesting enough um and so it's like okay well let's bring a human element in and let's bring some action in because again it needs to to feel really fun dynamic and um so then you know i started um doing different things on set and just the squeezing of the lemon you know with the the drips and everything it just suddenly started bringing everything to life and gave the whole thing um it just elevated everything so it was Usually I have a bit more of a set idea, but with this one, it was, Mm -hmm. I I just didn't know how it was going to be to go that wide angle. I mean, I've shot wide angle obviously before, but it was to go quite extreme and I was having to push the pan up so that it was, you know, as as close as a, I think it was not even as far away as a, a centimeter away from the lens. It literally was in there. And to then play around and say, well, you know, how much of this shot do we need to, to style? And um, yeah, it was just really fun. I think that you learn a lot when you're doing a test and you can take a lot more risks and you can um, experiment. And then when you come to then um, shooting something else, you can bring those learnings. You know, it's it doesn't happen very often that people come with that kind of brief. So, uh, but it also does mean that sometimes people see this on the website and say, we want to shoot in that way. So again, it, it sometimes, you know, inspires people to do that kind of shot so then i'll be able to approach that knowing exactly what's entailed but that's the fun of tests i love i love playing around okay let me throw it back to you it's a a moment a photograph or just a great experience you've had on your photography journey that you could talk about i think one of the highlights uh in my career was um it wasn't necessarily the shoot itself the shoot was was great it was a costa shoot and um it went all according to plan and um and the shots um i think were just you know beautiful uh glass uh shots with ice and and um an iced coffee um and it was yeah great shot but um nothing sort of out the normal for for what we usually do for them but then they told me that they wanted to use it on the um uh the roundabout um at waterloo um on the imax and Mm -hmm. so that we went down there to see it and that is just huge i mean you know my stuff has been on billboards but to see the size of that was just incredible i think that definitely was was a massive highlight 
So that's in central London. Yes, it was. Um, it was a couple of years ago, um, and it was in central London. And it's this. Um, it's a huge roundabout, and there's an IMAX in the bib- in the middle of the roundabout. And this um, right. IMAX has um, a glass fronted uh, surround, and that my photograph went all the way around it. And um, so it was just. It's basically like yeah. you know, having your picture on a skyscraper. It was just like, wow, okay, this is yeah, this is big. <laughs> that That's was a big awesome. Highlight. That's awesome, Karen. I just have so enjoyed this, and there's so yeah. many other pictures I could ask you about. But um, let's round this up. That's a quick fire round. If you've got time for a few quick questions, sure. okay. Uh, wide angle or telephoto? Telephoto. Color or black and white? Color. <laughs> Do you ever get the chance to shoot black and white? Not or for clients, it's just not, no. Not, yeah. Expensive lens cloth or the corner of your shirt? <laughs> Whatever's closest to hand. Really? With all those people no. on set, I would be using the cloth for sure. Yeah, yeah. I, I, the cloth ideally, but if there's a, an issue and some, I've got ice cream on set and then, yeah, you've got to work quick sometimes, so yeah. Yeah, Okay. Um, what's a weird thing that I could find in your camera bag or something unusual you use in your kit that you wouldn't think of? Oh, God. Uh, something weird in my... <laughs> I've got some um, <laughs> I've got some breast gel implants in my kit cupboard <laughs> um, that we needed for a shoot, which wasn't... It was just something where because they're transparent and they're wobbly and we needed to set something on something and we bought some of those. They um, they came in quite handy, but they've never been used since and my accountant did question the fact that I had uh, them in my uh, tax <laughs> list. Yeah, but you never know. You got They've got to stay in the kit. Absolutely. Um, okay, is there a photographer that people should all know about in your field or otherwise? I mean... I always loved Imogen Cunningham's um, photographs. Um, I've always uh, found her her photographs absolutely beautiful and and memorizing, mesmerizing rather. Um, mm-hmm. And the qualities when I was first starting out, I kind of just really, really looked up to to you know ad- admired her, and she was just incredible. Yeah. So is that a food photographer as well? Uh, no, just mainly flowers, but it was the lighting. I think I was at, I was, you know, when you're younger and things really sort of impress on you at that sort of earlier stage. Mm-hmm. And I remember that being just something that I just remember looking at them. I think it was the first one I saw when I was in a gallery and I just was kind of, it took my breath away that the lighting and it stayed with me. And so that always, mm-hmm. when I, I think it has such an emotional um, feeling that it, you know, it, that it inspires in me that I think I've always carried that with me. Yeah. And then visually, would you, would you tie that to your own work? I'd would say, you say, or is it more like, definitely. I think it's, um, especially in the, the beginning stages when I used to do, um, sort of a lot more still life in very sort of moody still life. But I, I'd, I'd say, I mean, I think you, you know, speak to certain art directors and they'll say that that's the way I sort of go towards sort of moodier photography is mm-hmm. where I, naturally um go to um so i think yeah it's still it's that depth and also the contrast the dark shadows the uh and it, it sort of really pops but it's very atmospheric so yeah i'd, I'd definitely say that it's it's still something that i think not necessarily think about when i'm shooting but it, it about her work it's, but in it's there. there yeah yeah okay i'll put a link in the show notes for that okay. what's your go-to emoji <laughs> laughing <laughs> maybe um, oh I don't cool. know cool <laughs> okay that's a good one yeah okay um, last question when do you feel at peace with the universe oh when I'm sitting on the sofa with uh, next to my wife and my cat on my lap and I'm just relaxing I think yeah good I do a lot of meditation but you know if I didn't mention them I'd probably be more in trouble <laughs> <laughs> Good. Okay. Thanks, Karen. I'm just, I'm a fan. And um, I know food photography, it could look like you just put food down and take a photograph. (laughs) But we know it's not. We know it's so technical, but there's the aesthetic as well. There's a lot going on. And 
to manage all that and hold it in your brain and make it happen in the camera I think it's a great job so really really appreciate you thanks so much thank you thank you very much it's been really really lovely chatting with you oh and we had so many technical problems on this um, episode hopefully people will never know because it will be edited so well (laughs) just between me and you (laughs) 